0: Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. Hello, beautiful people out there. It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and my co-host, Katrina Reed, will join us in a few moments. We're getting ready to get into a very interesting topic, a two-part series on love. These next couple of episodes are called He Said, She Said. And as I thought about what we're going to discuss a little bit later on, I had some some thoughts about it that I'd like to share with you. You know, love is such a tremendous topic. There are all kinds of love. The love that you have for your family and your friends, a kind of love that is often forgotten, but that we must continue to encourage, self-love. There is the love of money which according to scripture is the root of all evil and the love we have for our pets and our favorite things. But one of the most important forms of love and at times difficult to maneuver is the love between a man and a woman. Now, I did not say it was the most important, but it is one of the most important. And as I have gotten older, I'm struck by the fact that there is a reason why we end up choosing the people that we do. Most are fortunate enough to be in loving, healthy relationships, but then there are those who have not been so fortunate. I count myself in the latter group for some of the experiences that I've had in my life. I came to recognize that there was a cycle and I now know that when you are faced with the same obstacles over and over again. That's what it's called, a cycle. The thing is, understanding the why behind them. It is about understanding what the lessons are that we need to learn in order to break them and make better, healthier love choices. And so we do hope that you'll enjoy these next two episodes. Hello there, my friend. How are you? I am fine. How are you, my
1: queen? What's going on with you?
0: I am doing all right. I still feel like I am battling some kind of, I don't know, my stomach. It has been attempting, it's been doing its best to get in the way of progress. I haven't really been letting it But it has been, admittedly so, slowing me down a bit, but I'm still managing to get things done. So praise God for that.
1: (laughs) Well, absolutely. I am so, you know, sad to hear that this is lingering on a little bit longer than we would like, but I am always happy to know that you are persevering through it and that you are taking the time to acknowledge it when you need to and taking care of yourself. Like you said, self-love is so important. So I'm glad that you are here with us today so that we get the opportunity to hear the information that you have and to enjoy and share in our experience
0: Yes, my friend, as we talked about uh, this topic, you know, we have, I know some of our own personal stories, but of course, you know, we'll be, you know, commenting along the way. And I'm just really glad that you and I are are taking this little journey together. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And it's always fun to um, have these conversations, to be able to share with each other what we think about love and what we think about uh the topics and how we feel and how they impact us and yes although we have had personal experiences that may not be the best examples uh we're still able to provide insight understanding and and our own views so i love it every week that we get together and we get to share with the villagers our normal conversations
0: absolutely and again Let's remind everybody out there, shall we, my friend, that basically you're simply listening to a a recording, if you will, of one of our conversations. This is how we talk on a daily, daily basis. (laughs) Yes,
1: so we we want to let you know, villagers, that we appreciate you joining us for these conversations, but but this is something that we do on the regular. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Absolutely. And yes, uh, Trina, you are correct. We definitely appreciate you tuning in each week for all of your support. And uh, we look forward to any comments and questions that you may want to share along the way. So without further ado, as we discussed this topic, uh, my friend, we decided that we wanted to kind of shake things up a little bit, didn't we? We sure did. And I can't wait to hear the full episode and
1: how it's going to pan out for everyone. I think our villagers are going to be surprised and I think they're going to love it.
0: Absolutely. You know, each week, kings and queens out there, I share a story of inspiration, um, you know, with you. Um, But we're not going to do that this time. What we decided to do was because we're talking about the subject of love, we decided to incorporate more music into our episodes. So you're going to hear uh, bonus tracks of music uh, throughout these next two episodes. We do hope that you will enjoy the selections uh, that we have prepared for you. And so with that being said, my musical jukebox, before we get into Let's Talk About It, what is our first bonus track?
1: Well, my friend, as we discussed this particular episode and the next one we talked about the music that would go well with what we were talking about and one of our favorite artists is stevie wonder we both yeah. <laughs> we both love this musical genius and because we both loved him we decided that my Cherie amour was the best song to start off this episode. So please villagers sit back, relax, and listen to CV sing my sharia more. And we'll be back after this.
0: I don't care practically what Stevie Wonder song it is. They are classics. They are to be cherished and his talent and his musical genius to be respected. What say you? (laughs)
1: Listen, I agree. Remember, I shared with you that Stevie Wonder was supposed to be my husband when I was in like, (laughs) I think the third grade, somewhere around in there. Um, So, I, I I can't say enough about Stevie's compassion and his love and his
0: musical genius. So yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, Stevie Wonder has been basically a part of our lives, I think, since we were like born on the planet. Um, he definitely uh, contributes to the soundtrack of our lives, whether it is love, whether it's talking about, you know, things having to do with communities of color and, you know, whatever um, social, uh, s- excuse me, social um, injustice that we might be facing. Um, when I think about Stevie Wonder, one of the most cherished um, Uh, memories that I have of him you remember back in the day when they would have like award shows like you know the Grammys or they might have like Motown 25 and Stevie Wonder was always that artist that would close out the show yes 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 I agree yeah I remember that (laughs) so um with great fondness um we we had to have Stevie be a part of this show so thank you so much for including my Sharia Moore because that is one of my favorites from him so thank you so much You're welcome, and I appreciate your input on our musical selections these two episodes. So, you are welcome, and I thank you. Absolutely. So, my friend, why don't we get into our next segment, which is called Let's Talk About It? Mm All right, there are beautiful people out there. So I am certain that by now, even if you are not uh, that much into politics, you've heard the news all over the place that Joe Biden, the Democratic nominee, well, now confirmed uh, nominee uh, for president, has selected Kamala Harris as his vice president, uh, vice, vice presidential nominee, his running mate. And um, uh, one of the things that was very noticeable, uh, my friend, in terms of the day that uh, Kamala accepted the nomination uh, and spoke a little bit about herself, you know, to like the country and whomever was listening in the world um, was the impact that COVID-19 had on the event. Uh, The public, of course, was not invited. Yes, there were some reporters that were sporadically placed uh, throughout the room, Uh, of course, you know, photographers taking pictures um, and everyone was wearing their mask and they were practicing social distancing. And if anything, there were crowds that were gathered outside in order to catch a glimpse, excuse me, a glimpse of the duo um, who (laughs) committed to making 45 A one-term president. I was just looking at the difference as to like what we're normally seeing, but the commitment that they have in keeping themselves and each other healthy. What do you think about
1: that? I think that was great. It was a a beautiful example of what we want to see as far as leadership is concerned. Um, We have had a poor uh, example of leadership throughout this whole pandemic. And again, it's still not over, guys. It's still not over. So to be able to see that uh, Mr. Biden and Ms. Harris was able to come together, get everything set up, The, the Democratic National Convention was able to set everything up so that social distancing, Mask and all the other precautions were in place is just a, a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the Democratic National Convention which came after um, Kamala Harris accepting the nomination, it was very interesting as it has been with all of the events that, you know, we typically sort of take for granted in terms of our, prox- our close proximity to one another. Um, to see um, how things were done virtually, it was beautiful. One of the best parts of the Democratic National Convention, which by the way, I watched every moment from Monday to Thursday, was when they had their roll call um their roll call from every state across the country and i had to tell you for those of you who didn't see it um it was beautiful because typically in a convention you have all of those people crammed into a room and you have them you know carrying their state you know they have their you know weird like hats and everything like that to catch attention but nothing compares when you're actually able to see the United States of America, where you can see every single state, where you could see the land, where you're able to see the people, whether they were African American, whether they were indigenous, um, it was fantastic. And it, it, it's almost like, I don't want them to go back to the regular way. <laughs>
1: Well, as you're speaking about it, I mean, it seems as if that maybe this should be the standard because of the fact that you're able to see things on a larger scale. You're able to see it in a bigger picture. And sometimes when we have everything all bunched up together, we lose focus on what we're really supposed to be focusing on. So I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea.
0: Yeah, it was just, it was just awesome. It it really was just an awesome reminder, again, of how beautiful our country is. Uh, you know, because if you travel, you, you may notice sort of like the different characteristics each state has. And so you're not only able, again, to see that, but you're able to see all the people and you see how diverse this country actually is. And so it was just It was just simply beautiful and I really appreciated it. So um, we're gonna move forward and we are going to give a sort of follow-up regarding Julius Jones. Now Julius Jones was the young man that we spoke about a few episodes back, who is on death row um, currently in the state of Oklahoma. He had been accused of killing Um, Paul Howe in a 1999 carjacking, and um, since his trial, since he was convicted and sentenced to death, he has, of course, maintained his innocence, and what we're seeing, Queen, is that there are a lot of people that are stepping up um, and who are speaking out on his behalf, and one of those that I came across was Dak Prescott who is the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, who um, actually because of um, who my team is, they would be considered a nemesis, but we're not gonna focus on that. He actually sent a letter to um, Governor Stitt of uh, Oklahoma, hope I pronounced his name correctly, and also to the, um, um, the parole board. And basically he's writing the letter asking for the, re- the release of Julius Jones. And his letter was published in Time Magazine. So he he expresses in the letter that the wrong person is being punished for this terrible crime. And basically, he goes on to say, and I quote, after reviewing the facts of the Julius Jones case, I firmly believe the wrong person is being punished for this terrible crime. Furthermore, an evaluation of the process that led to Mr. Jones's conviction raises serious legal and ethical concerns. I implore you to right this wrong. Please don't let another innocent Black man die from the systemic mistreatment that has plagued our nation for far too long. What do you have to say about that?
1: I am so happy that more people are getting on the bandwagon, so to speak, to advocate for Julius Jones because as we mentioned and when we first talked about it and we laid out the information regarding the case, it was evident that he was not where they said he was. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, Secondly, he didn't even fit the description. Right. And thirdly, they used uh, informants that had their own agenda. So with that being said, it's clear. Oh, and and let's not forget the main important thing, which is the fact that he was in a racist county that did not want Black people in it, felt like they took over, and now he was being prosecuted for it. Plus, the person that was prosecuting him was known for doing the utmost to make sure he win. So there was all these mitigating factors that led to this wrongful conviction. So for uh, this quarterback to decide that, Mr. Prescott to decide that he wants to write to the governor, kudos to him. And I pray that more uh, get involved with
0: advocating for Mr. Jones because he don't have much time. No, he doesn't have much time. I'm not clear yet as to a date that's been set, because as we mentioned in an earlier episode, um, he his execution date had kind of been delayed because Oklahoma was dealing with questions of constitutionality regarding the way they put. Uh, their inmates to death. And so had it not been for that delay, it it quite possibly would have been the case that he would have been executed already. And so, as I mentioned, then I mentioned again, he is on borrowed time. And so there are a slew of celebrities, um, athletes alike, who are speaking up on his behalf, but most notable was Dak Prescott, and you know, as you said, yes, as far as the description was concerned, um, he did not match it. Also, um, the area in which this occurred, um, he was not there, but it was an area that was, um, an all white suburban area basically, a mass exodus that it that had taken place out of Oklahoma City, where he's from, and so, um, you know, you have things like that to consider. Um, as well as thinking about um, who the jury was comprised of. You had 11 white members of the jury out of 12. Um, And it was confirmed that they did act with racial animus, admitting that inappropriate and biased statements were made by other jurors during the trial, including the use of racial slurs. And then also another key factor here is that his family, was able to provide him with a solid alibi, they were not permitted to testify um, at the trial, so you know it's it 's amazing again how our black men and women are completely railroaded and they are being failed by the justice system, and they are really being failed by the the legal system as well because I almost feel like my nine-year-old niece could try this case and win it. That's that's really how blatant the, the, the evidence is where you would just look at it and understand that he is not
1: the man. Yeah, and I, I mean, everything you just said, it, it just continually helps us to see that this is wrong. There's no right in it. And the best way to right this wrong is to free him or retry the case in a place where there can be no um, biasness. And we know that's not accurate because the, we have systemic racism. So free him, just pardon him. The person that, that did the crime already admitted to it. You have that um, information on record that he admitted to it. So why are we why are we you know why do we have to fight for Julius Jones when you already have the person that's incarcerated telling you that he did it and and y'all and you know and you use that information and still let him do
0: his time and now he's gone. Well, according to the 6th amendment the thing that strikes me is you're supposed to have the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury. And obviously, again, talking about the one juror that was using racial slurs, they should not have been permitted to continue to stay on the jury. That in and of itself would have been something. But of course, when you are operating from a place of hate, then the rules do not seem to apply. Um, but as I said, in addition to that, Prescott, There have been a number of people, athletes included, who have written letters on behalf of Julius Jones and change.org petition. They themselves have received over six million signatures thus far. So we will keep you all posted as we receive further information.
1: Well, thank you so much, Queen, for letting our villagers know. And whatever we can do to help Uh, please villagers do all you can find out more information about it and lend your support in some kind of way to help get Julius free.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, yes, we have uh, mentioned a few since we've been doing this show. And there is so many, many out there who are experiencing the same fate. So um, we definitely um, pray that you will do something, even if it's signing the petition, if it's spreading the word, spreading awareness, please do that. And so we're going to move on, Queen. Um, And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, we are going to forego the inspirational story so that we can have ourselves another musical gem by you so what are you going to play for us next so
1: villagers before we get into today's topic we thought the next song that would work so well with what we're talking about today is by john legend and we know john legend has many many songs that we love but this one, we felt fit most perfectly. Yes. And, that's, and that's ordinary people. So as always, sit back and enjoy. And we will talk to you when we get back.
3: Take it slow, oh, oh, oh this time we'll take, get slow, take it slow, ho oh, oh, oh. This time we'll take it slow. This ain't a movie, no, no fairy tale conclusion, y'all. It gets more confusing every day. Today we're just ordinary people. No
0: you know, my friend, every time I hear that song, I recognize that that was the very first time I've ever uh, seen or heard of John Legend. And I can remember the black and white video where he comes strutting into the room and he sits down at the piano and he starts playing. And I tell you, I've been in love with him and his singing ever since.
1: Yes, that definitely um, brings that video to mind. And it just, his voice can be so soothing at times. So yeah, definitely was my first um introduction to him as well
0: <laughs> yes so enjoy him so enjoy him all right then ladies and gentlemen beautiful people everywhere let us go ahead and jump into today's topic and as we mentioned or as i mentioned i should say earlier uh the next two episodes are dedicated to love love language understanding, love, all of that. Um, But it's entitled, He Said, She Said. So if you ask any expert what the main cornerstone of a relationship is, uh, you will likely hear the same thing, communication. But for so many people, communication means to speak. When the real key to a successful relationship are active listening and empathy there are people out there who feel like what is the sense of um you know putting something out there if it's not going to be heard and considered by your partner so now people begin to fear sharing their thoughts and feelings because they are vulnerable what do you say about that queen i believe that we definitely
1: need to (laughs) reevaluate what we think about relationships and how we communicate so like you said active listening is one of I think the most missed parts of a relationship that um, most people find after reflecting on what happened if the relationship go awry that um that's one of the major things that didn't happen
0: yeah and you know a lot of people mistake what it actually does mean to listen. Um, listening is not just an opportunity for you to be quiet waiting for your turn to speak. That's that's not listening. Um, <laughs> listening is really taking the opportunity to, as they said, to empathize and to sort of put yourself in your partner's shoes to be able to understand why they may be feeling the way that they are. Um, and even if you don't, at least allowing them the opportunity to be able to discuss that with you. However, it does not mean that listening is going to be effective if the person that's doing the talking is doing it in a way that is like attacking you and therefore putting you in a mode of defense where all you're thinking about is defending yourself, um, therefore taking away the ability to listen. Do you think that that's true, queen? Yes,
1: absolutely. Um, what you find is when a person is talking to you and they are uh, throwing shade, as we like to say, or they're blatantly attacking you, right? You, you are putting up walls. So whatever empathy or active listening that you were doing in the beginning when this conversation first started, whenever it took the turn, the worst, so to speak, you you stop listening. You are now on attack mode. So whatever that person is saying, that person could be saying, okay, buy a loaf of bread. (laughs) And now buy a loaf of bread as simple as it is. Has co- has now became you, you're uh, you're you're attacking me. So I don't know how to bake bread. I don't know how to cook bread. What are you saying? I don't know how to buy bread. Like it goes into a whole nother level, because that person was doing um the provocation in that conversation. That person was not coming to you from a place of love, compassion, or empathy.
0: Right, and I think the thing to remember too is that a relationship is a two-way street. Really, a relationship of any kind is a two-way street. But when we're talking about romantic love, it's a two-way street. Both people contribute to the success and the failure of that relationship. And it's important to, as an individual, be able to look at the role that you may be playing in a situation, in an argument, a disagreement, or you know, in anything that's positive as well. But not that we just want to focus on the negative, but sometimes you may find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're constantly being blamed, like you're constantly, you know, being held to the fire and you might build up a certain kind of, you know, a certain resentment um, as a result. Uh, But we all contribute. We can all contribute to the madness. It says it takes two people to fight, two people to tango. Uh, So that is, you know, recognizing the fact that it is a two-way street And So you might be out there listening like, okay, well, I've been following the show and there's two females that have been on the show every single week. And so how are they going to speak to what a man has to say? Well, I decided to do a little bit of research. I mean, well, we do that every week, but specifically geared to being able to find the male voice in this um, subject matter. And According to the blog, Your Tango, there are 10 things, my friend, that men shared as their top gripes about women. Are you ready?
1: I think so. Go ahead. I'm listening.
0: (laughs) So we're going to take this list backwards. We're going to start at number 10 and work our way to number one. All right. So the first one is you talk to the friend who ticks you off the most. Now, in his mind, he's thinking, why don't you just stop talking to them? Because for a man, a friend of his that becomes a jerk is no longer a friend. So the drama created by this frenemy, he's thinking, it's going to spill over into your relationship with him. What say you, friend? I, I can understand that to some degree.
1: I also look at it too, when, when you think about men and, and their, uh, solution mindset where they're like, okay, if this person is causing you so much discomfort, (laughs) why entertain them? Right. And you know what, they're not wrong in that sense. Where it's just a quick fix. What complicates for us as women is that it's more complicated than that. It's not just about the fact that that person might get on my nerves today, but in five or ten minutes, you know, or whenever the, the situation has resolved itself, we cool. Right. So we don't believe in throwing the baby out with the bathwater, as as people
0: say. Exactly. We don't really look at our friends as disposable, especially if they're a good friend, they might be getting on your nerves now. No, we're, we're not looking at them as disposable. And you're right. Men have a tendency to look at a problem and say, okay, how can it be fixed? And then they want to move on. They're not the types to get into the emotional aspect, the pull and the tug of a situation. As I've been told on several occasions, that's what your girlfriends are for. Exactly.
1: And so when you have people like us, women, not people, when you have women who get emotionally involved with women, other women, it's not just, oh, I'm gonna cut that person off. Especially like you said, if this person is a good friend, and at this given moment, that good friend has stepped on your nerve.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, you know, I guess the thing to take with that, fellas, is to understand that you guys operate sort of out of, out, out of a different code, if you will. You know, if it's that simple for you, you know, to just sort of like toss your friends out because you don't really want to deal with the drama, okay. But in a relationship, there has to be, I think, a certain sensitivity to the fact that you're in relationship, you know, with someone who thinks differently or may have a different perspective. And so both have to be included and respected. Exactly. And then we got to also look at
1: from, from the female perspective for that guy that has that friend who takes advantage of them, who does this, that, and the third. And we look at how they continue with their friendship. It's not always a simple cut and dry with them too. They also have people that get on their nerves. They don't want to be bothered with, but they still do stuff with them because that's their boy. So it's the same way. It's like, we have to find that balance when you're looking at the situation from a female perspective and you're looking at the situation from a male perspective. It's a a balance
0: yeah i think that that's um that's really key that you mentioned that because it sometimes you feel like guys have a, a little bit of selective amnesia where they forget that they feel emotion too or they can get frustrated too uh they can want to like you know um come home and vent uh, about a situation too and so because of how we are as women nurturers by nature we're gonna sit there and we're gonna listen. And we're we're also going to be interested in maybe negotiating a solution as opposed to saying, oh, well then just off with his head, you know, just
2: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: It's, all right. a, it's the reality of it. <laughs> yes, you know, and that's what makes it so interesting to be able to just kind of like see the differences in how people think. But let's keep moving so we can get through um all of these. Um now the next one, Queen. I almost didn't want to say this one, not necessarily for like my sake, but just because I wasn't sure like how, but then again, like I said, this is a um, a survey for men. So it said, number nine, you scold him <laughs> for watching porn. Um, it said sometimes he just wants to release the tension without the emotion. What do you think? <laughs> hmm. Um, I well, this one is kind of tricky.
1: And the reason why I say that is because not that it's tricky for the male. When it comes down to females, it all depends on how open minded you are in the relationship and what your values are and what and what your moral compass is. Um, not every woman, um, uh, have an issue with their man watching uh, pornography. Right. Some women uh, will will watch with them. Um, some women, you know, don't have an issue with it because as long as he's not out there with another person physically, they can deal with with that. I think it becomes a, a more complicated when it becomes an obsession or a, a compulsion or a a bad habit. Um, And that's when women tend to go into that uh, more scolding type of attitude. But it all
0: depends on the person. Yeah, I I agree. It does depend on the person. Um, And like you said, you know, these are kind of like, they, they, they could be generalizations, but that's why we're here to talk about them, because there can be reasons for why people feel the way that they do. Another being that, you know, it might be seen as competition. You know, if what you're seeing uh, in porn is something that perhaps, you know, your, your lady may not be comfortable doing or that she might think you're fantasizing about something other than, or someone other than herself. It's like all kinds of, of things sort of like creep in. So that can be sort of like a touchy subject. And I think it's just really a matter of having an honest conversation between the two of you as to where you stand, first of all on the topic, and then, you know, incorporating it or not accordingly into your relationship.
1: Yes, I wholeheartedly um, would suggest, yeah, you having that conversation. It's so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the next one on the list is you question everything that he does. Dang. Your constant questioning about the little things in life can come across to him as mistrust or nitpicking. What about that, my friend?
1: Again, it's about the person. And it's about patterns and it's about behaviors. And if you give a woman a reason to question you, she's going to question you. And if you don't answer her, you are f- basically adding fuel if you will, to that fire, it's, we're not questioning, when I say we and I, I apologize for speaking for the collective, let me make it more personal, I, in a relationship, don't question uh, my spouse, or the romant- romantic partner I have, because I have nothing else better to do, <laughs> <laughs> no, really, or because I want to come off as a nag or a nitpicker because I I feel like we as women get a bad rap for doing the loving things that we do you you know I think depending on the man and where he is and his in his uh security about who he is is how he's going to look at what the questions are. So if if I'm asking you, um, did you see uh, Bill up the block on your way home and you don't answer me or you leave it for my interpretation and then I come back with a follow-up question because you never answered the first question, then I'm not nagging you or I'm not nitpicking you. I'm, I'm actually... Uh, doing my best to ascertain information. And I think men sometimes, because they don't like to express their feelings about things or they don't like to be, so to speak, questioned, they take that
0: negatively. Yeah. They don't. That's what it is. Men, they, and, and this is my own personal experience as well. They, they really don't like to be questioned. Um, they really, for the most part, you know, they, they kind of like want to be able to do what they want. Um, and want you to trust that what they're doing, you know, is like above board. But the thing of it is, is that that may be how you acted before you got into the relationship where there wasn't anyone questioning your comings and goings. Um, there wasn't anyone maybe questioning, you know, did you take out the trash, um, or if you have provided what they call, let's say, a honey do list, you know, did you do A, B, C, and D? And if, like you've mentioned, the experience has been that they have a reason to sort of follow up with you because of the pattern, and and understanding that, okay, I give you the list, but nine times out of ten, what I'm asking you to do isn't getting done then that instills in a woman's mind, like, okay, i gotta, I got to follow up behind you. And so again, you know, I feel like there's a reason for everything. And when those reasons are identified and communicated, then I think we have at least a fighting chance to be able to understand where one another is coming from. And as far as like nitpicking and everything like that, I find that funny because sometimes it seems like they want you to be their mother. <laughs> and when, you, when you're asking them questions or what have you, and, and, and they take that in a negative sort of like way, you know, it's like, you can't win for losing. So it's just kind of like, which, which, which one is it? But that's a main gripe. Um, sometimes too, about questions, I've noticed Queen in, in, in personal relationships that I've had is when you're dealing with a man who's not talkative and suddenly a, a, what should be a conversation is, is like question after question because you're, you're, you're drawing out that information or you're, you're attempting to draw out the information from him, but it's like pulling teeth and twisting arms. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, sometimes you feel
1: like you are a part of the CSI uh, <laughs> investigation team because it's like, why do we have to pull teeth to get answers when you're dealing with a person that is uh, non-commutative, non-talkative? It it makes it so much harder. So yes, like you said, it becomes question after question after question because I'm still waiting for you to answer and you're not answering me. And yes, like, okay, sometimes we need to back off to allow them the opportunity to process, but at the same token, I think it's about standard too. When you have a woman who has a standard and she is expecting for you to live up that, live up to that standard, um, hopefully she's communicated that standard before she <laughs> <laughs> before she tries to um, uh, um and implement it. But when there's a standard in place, you have to be able to meet that standard. And it's like, for them, when it comes down to women, you're, you're not ready to deal with that. But yet you'll work a nine to five where you have to ask ask and answer questions all day.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. All right, so let's move on. I'm going to take the next three so that we can kind of discuss them. Um, number eight. Uh, excuse me. Number seven is you become too you become too comfortable in the relationship. In his mind, he is wondering what happened to the woman that he used to fantasize about. The next one, number six is you do not demand what you want. He um, says like strong men desire strong women. It's only weak men who need a weak woman so that they can keep them down and control them. So if you want him to love you, you must first love and respect yourself so that he will have no other choice but to. And then number five is that you use his past against him. They know they screwed up, but so do you. You make mistakes. And in their mind, forgiveness is not the same as acceptance, but you can forgive and move on. And in order to do that, you will need to realize that what they did was not about you, but it's about them, their choices, and or their lacking. What say you, Queen? Well, okay. Um, going
1: with the not maintaining yourself in a relationship. Comfortable. Um, I think, yeah, getting, getting comfortable and being comfortable in a relationship, I think that goes both ways. I don't feel like it's just a one-sided deal. Um, men tend to stop doing what they used to, to make that woman feel like she is the only woman in the world. And once that starts to uh, filtrate into the relationship, that woman may... Or may not uh, feel like she needs to do anything, next, you know, extra or to, to maintain what she was doing before. So it's not so much that women get comfortable; men get comfortable too. It's a it's a it's a um, two sided thing. It's reciprocated, and it's about both of you putting in the work, taking out the extra time. Comfortability comes, yes, with being with a person for a long period of time. But at the same token, the man um, need to all provide
0: that romantic uh, incentive. Well, you know what? Here's something. I just wanted I just wanted to cut in because what we want to do is we want to also remember these are the guys that are talking. Yes, and obviously, as a woman, you're you're you know we're going to respond to what they're saying. But the truth of the matter is when we're talking about Um, growing comfortable in the relationship while it may be a two-way street we understand what they're saying what they're talking about is when you were out there in the club in the street and doing all that or what have you you was getting your hair done you was getting your nails taken care of you was getting you know the many the petties you was dressing you you may have been into your weight you know the positivity all of these things you you dangled that carrot basically in front of them now that you've gotten them, for some reason, you've stopped thinking that, they're, that, that, that they've lost interest in that. They don't want to come home every day seeing you in curlers and seeing you in a in a in a well i can't say headscarf because that's becoming more and more like you know um out there as far as like the way that we as afrocentric people you know are tired and everything but they don't want to see you looking like you know you just got out of bed or you're in your bathrobe or so there are certain things that i think they're saying you stop doing so these are these are the things that they're saying because they don't feel comfortable saying them to us so in this survey these are you know some of the concerns and it is true queen yes that they too you know um let up and there may be um a case where they're not living up to you know those romantic platitudes that they extended in the beginning but but we have to also be willing to accept as women that we understand what they're saying because it it is true in a lot of cases that we have a tendency to think because we've got them, then we can just kind of let ourselves go. Yes,
1: and you're right. You're absolutely right. It's not that we're, um, don't get me wrong, it's not that I am taken away from what their gripes are because they are valid. And I'm just saying that from a woman's we're th- gonna
0: have our turn next episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> from a woman's standpoint, um, it's reciprocal. And and they too slack up and being um, busy people, parents, and all of these things, there's many factors that go into why we we, meaning the man and the woman, may slack off in the relationship or get too comfortable.
0: So it's it's something that we do have to consider. Right. Now, in terms of not demanding what you want, um, uh, basically what he's kind of saying is, I'm tired of you guys thinking that we're mind readers. We don't know what you want unless you tell us. Um, What do you think about that? Well, they got a point.
1: Sometimes we don't. We don't say what we want and sometimes we're unclear and sometimes we don't even know what we want so i i really feel like yeah that's definitely a valid point
0: right you know um and i think it was also true uh when it says that you know we first have to love and respect ourselves in order for someone else to That's something that you know we hear a lot about these days you know uh the things that we need to do besides like self-care but also um, understanding for ourselves that we are worthy to be loved and that we have to find a way to validate ourselves and not necessarily look for that in other people because that can cause problems you know, down the road. And so basically what they're saying is they want a confident woman who has herself together. And yes, we, in the same token, want a confident man. Um, but again, these are things that he may not be comfortable saying to us and so as I did the research, these are the things that we you know, came up with, but I think it is true. We expect them to kind of just know what we want. We expect them to just know, and it isn't fair for either of us um, to have that expectation placed upon us. However, I will add this caveat. In order to be able to let you know what I want, you also have to be able to listen And you also have to be willing, um, you know, to carry it out or, you know, to at least find it important enough to mull over and come back with something, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you have some people that will give you the whole shebang about what they want, how they want it, when they want it. And if that person is not willing to to reciprocate or willing to even do it, then, you know, that's a, that's a totally different <laughs> situation. So, yes.
0: Absolutely. And then of course, about using his past against him. Um, when you think about it, just, at, just, just as a person, I don't think you ever really want somebody <laughs> that's going to stand around and constantly be like, oh my goodness, remember what you did remember, remember how you screwed up, remember, you always have done this before, like, nobody wants to have that happen, but when it does, when something does happen, I think that what might be important is that you have to be honest about it in the moment, um, in terms of how it's impacted you, how you feel about it, what you think about it, and then finding, you know, um, solutions, and then, you know, you have to decide for yourself, are you able to forgive whatever the indiscretion was? And if you've decided that you are able to forgive, then do you understand that it means we're not going to constantly keep dredging it up and dredging it up and dredging it up because you, you essentially just keep opening the wound? What do you think?
1: Yeah, that is accurate. Um, we do have to learn how to... Um, Forget it, so to speak, so that it is not something that you're constantly bringing up um, and that, so yeah, I can understand a, a man feeling that like that's being used against him um, with with that because women can do that
0: yeah, I mean i I think about like in my own personal experiences i I really don't I really haven't done that unless I've been pushed to it because the partner, my partner, may be doing that to me, where you think, okay, in the moment, you've spoken about the situation, um, you've spoken about it, and at the end of that conversation, you know, you ask, so are we okay? Everything good? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah. But then the next time you get into an argument, you're bringing up what happened two months ago, and it's like, wait a second, and you're actually bringing it as ammunition to add to what we're currently dealing with. So in that regard, it's totally not fair, not because it's happening to me as a <laughs> as a woman, but that we do that to, to men well. Yeah, absolutely, and I'll also, it's about behaviors.
1: It goes back to behaviors, and that's what people have to understand, men and women is if you um as a woman are in a relationship with a man and you start to see behaviors that triggers you then you have to address why they still trigger you or what that's about so like you said having that conversation talking it out and then dealing with it or determining whether or not if you're going to deal with it is going to be the best solution for that so I, again, I, I can see it from the male perspective, but I also understand it because I'm a woman. So I get know, it.
0: And you're, if you're talking about things that trigger you, yeah, it is important to understand the why. And part of that why may be, um, were you being honest when you said you were over it? Were you being honest when you said you forgave it? Um, yes, it, it, behaviors, behavior patterns, all of those things are true, but- To have an accumulation of indictments towards somebody is never going to be helpful in the relationship. And what I found most difficult to deal with um, from my perspective was when we couldn't just focus on what was happening here in this moment. Because you want to talk about the last five things that I thought we did talk about. You know, it's one thing if things happen and there's no conversation at all. And there's no sensitivity from your partner to say, okay, so we talked about this. You're, you're listening to what they have to say. They're expressing themselves. They're letting you know how hurt or disappointed they may be, whatever the case is. And you've listened and you've expressed remorse or your understanding of why they feel the way they do. Okay. And so if in that moment we get to a point where it's agreed. You know what? Because listen, if it wasn't agreed, then you should have said that. You should have said, you know what? As a person, man or a woman, um, I still need some time because I'm just, it, I'm, I still am bothered by that. Do not give your partner the, the, the wrong idea and thinking that you are past it or that you've gotten over it or that everything is all good when you're still holding to it in your mind. And it's almost like the next thing they do, see, there you go, you did that. And you, that right there is not beneficial to either one, to either person. And you know we do that to each other, but this was on the list of their gripes. So I thought it was interesting to include it in the conversation. And so moving forward, um, number four is you ask him for honesty. And then get angry when he is. (laughs) You put him in this like no win no win situation. Um, If you want him to be honest and allow him the space to do so. But fellas, you do not need to be nasty while conveying the truth. What say you, friend?
1: Yeah, that is so true. We do have to, excuse me, be um, secure enough and our feelings and how we accept constructive criticism. Um, and that's the key word is being constructive with the criticism, if if there's a criticism, because honesty doesn't necessarily mean that you are criticizing a person. You just, you know, it, it is what it is. And we have to be able to handle that truth. So <laughs> I'm thinking about Jack Nicholson <laughs> in my head. <laughs> you can't handle the truth, you know. We have to be able to um handle the truth.
0: Absolutely. And and yes, that whole nasty part of it. I think that's what the fellas tend to forget. Fellas out there, you know, that famous question, do I look fat in these jeans? And I know <laughs> maybe you as a woman have asked that question. I myself have never done that because. I don't want to hear the answer. I know exactly how I look in those jeans, and so does the woman that's asking that question. But now you want that man to walk a tightrope. And while we don't want them to lie, you're expecting <laughs> them to lie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you want it both ways. You want to get you want your cake and you want to eat it too. And that's why we have to be mindful of what we again are asking honesty for and how we accept it, how we handle it.
0: Yes. Yes. But don't go into attack mode, fellas. That's never going to be good. All right. And so the next, uh, well, I'm also just go ahead and read the next three, because that'll take us to to one. So number three says you never take charge during sex. Um, He feels like if you, if you did, you might help him loosen up a bit. Um, and uh, perhaps he feels like, you know, um, maybe you'll act on what he fantasizes about. Number two, you do not have any faith in him. So basically what he says is, I worry about all kinds of things, but I do not share them with you because I do not want you to think that I am weak or that I cannot handle it. He wants to be strong with you and for you. But it's a part of his DNA to not show fear, even in the face of adversity. And so because he wants to carry the weight of whatever issue he's facing, um, he also feels like he wants to solve it. The way he needs to know that through it all, we as women have faith in them, um, and that we can solve things together. So It may take some time for him to get used to the idea of sharing and making himself vulnerable, but the burden of everyday life challenges is something that men actually do want to share. It's just they're afraid of how they're going to be seen if they share it. And the number one gripe is you fail to tell him that you're proud of him. Um, He feels that your pride needs to be freely given. Um, that it's not the same if he asks for it. He says um, that recognition is very important to everyone. And he definitely wants to know that he's doing his job, whether it's at home, um, you know, in his individual life or within himself. And he wants to know that you as his partner are paying attention to what he's doing. And quite simply, that it matters to you. So Queen, I'm going to let you respond. And I just want the audience to know we actually do have a bonus gripe. And I'll share that with you once uh, Trina tells us what she thinks about the last three points. Well, again,
1: as we know, these are the men gripes. And some of them are very, very valid. Well, actually not some of them. That's incorrect. All of them are valid. Because that's their feelings. So um, as far as the last three is concerned, uh, when it comes down to sex, uh, again, it's about your partner, who you're dealing with, what you like, are y'all having those meaningful conversations? Not every woman is like that. There are women out here who are take charge, who are adventurous, who are, uh pretty much
0: they're about it about it <laughs> yes
1: you know they will do what they need to do in order to make you feel um like what you need to feel so that's about partnership um as far as making sure that um, I wonder if we have faith in them exactly making sure that we we have faith in and in, in, in that sometimes that is i mean i, I won't say that that's not right? From my own personal experiences, you can um, lose faith or lose sight of it. I won't say you lose faith, but you lose sight of it um, in a person or you forget that they need the same thing you need. So as women, we have so much on our plates that sometimes we can forget that our man or our spouse or our significant other whatever you want the title you want to give needs the same um, things that we need the same emotional fulfillment um, and that's along with that being you know being showing or expressing pride um i don't have that problem um, as far as not being able to express pride i do that without it being solicited because you, you want people to be proud of you as the woman. So it's just knowing and being mindful of the fact that men have feelings too, although they don't show it. Um, Sometimes again, we forget that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah and that's that's really key sometimes we forget that because just as we've been socialized you know to believe certain things about men they too have been socialized to believe that they have to behave in certain ways and one of those ways is to not really express their emotions their feelings to not allow themselves to be vulnerable and so once they begin to feel comfortable in knowing that they're with somebody who has faith in them, somebody who takes pride in the things that they do, because I believe that I've heard men say all the time how important, you know, um, it is to know that they're doing the right thing, that they're, they're on track, um, and that you are proud. And, you know, even like expressions of gratitude for stuff that they do, like, there's, there's a love language that they have as well, um, that we may not have a tendency of hearing or listening to because we haven't been accustomed to knowing we needed to. And so, That's why we're doing this show, to kind of give you guys out there, and when I say guys, I mean all of you listening, um, maybe some, you know, conversation starters. Now, have we covered every single aspect of everything? No. We would need a lot more than two shows uh, to be able to do that, but we can at least get things started. Um, And I also wanted to throw in here, Queen, um, their bonus gripe, (laughs) which was, you did not tell him what it is that you need in order to be happy. In his mind, he's like, for the love of God, tell me what you want. I cannot read your mind. And I feel like a failure when I cannot get things right. Well, Queen, again,
1: this goes back to us as women knowing what we want, knowing what we need, and not expecting our partner to uh, make us happy. Yes, they can do things to facilitate in the happiness, but we have to be happy within ourselves. So that goes back to that self-love and understanding that we can't expect them as the man to know what it is that we want or need without expressing it. So I feel like out of, you know, all the rights that they have, which again, all of them are valid. This one really sinks in when we expect our mate to bring us happiness or make us happy. It's our responsibility to be happy. And they're just going to facilitate that with the things that they do.
0: You know, one of the things that I thought about when I saw that, um, you know people always talk about, um, you know, I need someone to complete me, complete me, complete me. And we finally had to learn that no, you don't need anyone to complete you. You need to be complete yourself, but you want someone who compliments you. And with that being said, if you have love of self, you value yourself as a woman, You know what it is that you want, your communication skills, both to speak and to listen with empathy, are there, then, you know, we might have a better chance of getting those things that we need. However, fellas, in that, you know, communicating, letting you know what it is that we want, and maybe, you know, uh, taking the initiative when it comes to like sex or any of the other gripes that were on the list. We also have to feel that we can share that with you, too. Um, Again, relationships are a two-way street. And it will be very difficult for them to be successful if we both do not take collective responsibility in that relationship. Because it is not fair for a man to lay on a woman complete responsibility in the mishaps of the relationship no more than it is fair for a woman a woman to do the same to uh, a man. We're human beings, we are flawed, we have shortcomings. We both come from different backgrounds, different beliefs and standards, moral convictions. We all have what I like to call a different blueprint. And when you understand the blueprint of a person, where they come from, why they behave the way they do, why they think and feel the way that they do, It requires you to look at, you know, um, what lies beneath, beneath the superficial, when you're really getting into the crux of understanding who your partner is. And a lot of times, not even I have been successful in doing that. But I guarantee you that at least as long as you're in that mind frame where you're willing to learn and open yourself up to the possibilities of doing that, you'll feel a lot better in the long run
1: well said well said so everything that our queen just said that is things that we need to consider and again reciprocal love it takes two people to love takes two Mm-hmm. It, that song, <laughs> that song, it takes two is a is a, a actual song. So, let I... us <laughs> definitely um, look into making sure that we're doing everything we can to not just dismiss these gripes that men have, because I know some of us can do that, but really open our hearts and our minds to what is being said today. And, and if you are doing some of these things, um, see what you can do to better yourself so that in the future, if you're in a relationship now or if you're not, you won't make the same mistakes. Amen,
0: sister. Amen. And with that being said, we're going to roll into another song. What are you going to play for us now before you uh, get into For the Village? So the last song
1: that me and my queen over here thought of playing for this episode is Anthony Hamilton. (sighs) Anthony Hamilton's. I had to take a deep breath then. I I actually sighed because this song epitomizes love and the way that it, it just moves me. So without further ado, Anthony Hamilton's The Point of It All. And then we will be back after this.
4: stay away from you too long. Even if I do, I'll always call. Checking on you, make sure you're okay. Be the one to brighten up your day. Yeah, yeah, and the point of it all is I love you. Yeah, know well, I love you, baby. Oh, oh. My days seem long whenever we're, we're apart. Like someone That's stolen away my heart You're a major part of My life And no matter what the storm may bring I'm fine with you And the point of it all I love And the reason for it all, I love you. And the point of it all, and the point of it all, breathing for it all, and the point of it all. I love.
0: Anthony Hamilton is another one, that voice, right?
1: Oh my goodness. He is so, his voice is so powerful. And when he hit the, when he gets to the climax in that song. Ooh. Hush. Yes, please. I need to just, just, just move. We got to go forward. I can't.
2: I can't.
0: <laughs> well, we have arrived, my friends, for the last. Uh, segment of our show and you know as you're catching your breath and everything <laughs> kings and queens out there this is called For the Village and so my friend what uh, example uh, do you have for us this week that demonstrates village mentality
1: so what I decided to do was find topics Oh, excuse me, find a village story that included couples. So I found a story about a local. And when I say local, a New York city couple who live in, hey. who lives in Brooklyn. Hey, um, this couple, Anthony and Janique Edwards decided in 2016, to come up with an app to help people who just moved to Brooklyn to find restaurants and other uh, places to go to eat. They had just moved here. They were looking for restaurants. They didn't know. They didn't know who to ask, who to call. And so this couple working together, since we're talking about he said, she said, this couple working together, came together, and created apps to help find Black-owned restaurants. And that's the key part about it. Exactly. So not only did they express love for each other as a couple, they are now working in business together, and they're helping the community to find Black-owned restaurants so that they can support black owned businesses. And I felt like with all that is going on now in our topic, that they are a great expression of love from a he said, she said, and village mentality.
0: Yeah, that is splendiferous. And of course I'm loving the fact that it's a local story, but yeah, they didn't just, uh, you know, think about themselves. They thought, you know, there's a need to be fulfilled here and so by creating the app they've opened it up you know to others to partake of that opportunity but girl to then put the cherry on top by allowing it to be black owned businesses so that we are supporting our people out there all right all right all right <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: so i just i just love to love that this was the epitome again of village mentality and love together because this is a couple and we need to, we need to celebrate that. Not saying that there are not other couples that are out there doing this because they are, and we're hearing more and more about it. But the fact that it's happening is so wonderful. So yes, I'm glad we got to celebrate that information.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you queen for sharing that example of village mentality we definitely appreciate you for that and for all of you out there all of you beautiful people who are listening let us know if you have a story or if you have witnessed an example of village mentality send your story to us via our email address which is village mentality 20 vision at gmail.com and we will be sure to share your story on our show. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Village Mentality 2020. So for all you guys that were listening today, this is part one of our the love language um, entitled, uh, He Said, Sh- She Said. And today we shared all of what he said. And so the next episode, we're going to talk about what she said. How about that, Queen?
1: Yes, I can't even wait. You almost sound like you want to get revenge. <laughs> no, not at all. I just love the fact that we're able to have an open discussion about both perspectives.
0: Absolutely. And so, thank you so much, beautiful people, for tuning in to another episode of Village Mentality, the podcast. We truly appreciate your support and we hope that you'll tune in again next week for part two. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days.